0: thankful for this moment. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Everybody grab your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be uh, engaging uh, this morning in God's Word. I'm actually just going to pray with us uh, and and kind of usher in the Word of God this morning. We'll try to uh, connect with what I think God's trying to do in this moment. And then, uh, yeah, and then we will finish out our morning together. So let me pray. Father, come and be here among us. Show us your goodness. Declare your truth. I pray we would believe your word more than we believe even the things that we see or hear because uh, who you are is life. Who you are is truth. Who you are is the way. And so we're gonna anchor ourselves in that, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Here's what I wanna do. There are two major questions that we're gonna to try to answer over the next two weeks, okay? Two big questions we wanna answer over the next two weeks. And here are the questions. First question is this. When the world is shaken, what is God doing? When the world is shaken, what is God doing? I think um, uh, Eric and Peggy shared that, hey, the the spiritual conversations that are coming up are, are uh, rampant. It's happening all over our city. If you're getting an opportunity to have conversation, uh, everyone's kind of wondering what's happening. What is God doing? And, and so we want to answer that question. That's what we're going to answer this morning. And then next week, we're going to answer this question. When the world is shaken, what is God asking of me? What is God asking of me? So these are the two questions we wanna ask. You have your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, let, let me set this up and then we'll throw this, the, the scripture up there for you, okay? When uh, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews is remembering back to when the people of God were really broken, there was, there was all kinds of uh, sin going on and God gives the law from the mountain and the mountain's actually shaken Uh, And so there's this picture we have all throughout scripture where God is, when God comes and when God sees the brokenness, that the earth is shaken. And so the Hebrew writer is remembering that time, but he says, that's not gonna be the only time. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 26. Here's what he says. Yet once more, I will shake the earth. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the earth the heavens. This phrase verse 27 this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken that is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. All right. Now here's what here's what the writer is saying. There is a king in heaven and he's so radically loving and generous that when the people of God and when the people of the earth start to forget his goodness and they move away that there is a gracious act of of God to say hey everything that is created is ultimately going to be shaken forever there's there is one eternity with God and There is an encouragement, there is a calling from a faithful God to say, hey, I'm going to shake the things that we tend to put our hope in so that everything that we might put our trust in, we no longer have a grasp on, but we get to take our hands off of it for a minute and to hold on to the very thing that is going to give us life because there's only one thing that cannot be shaken, it's God. See, God is not shaken. He is not shaken in this moment. And he's so merciful that often there comes times of shaking so that God can grab the heart of his people and say, hey, I want you to come and return to me. And so the question then comes up, how attached are we to the things that are created, so to speak, when they are shaken? How attached am I to the things of this world? right? The parts of creation that I lean upon for safety, the parts of creation that I lean upon for joy or for contentment. It's like, it's the way that a good father or a good mother, when they see their children and their children can't see the danger or the messiness around them, they are faithful to grab them and say, hey, I wanna help you see the things that you might be holding onto you, the things that you might be blind to so that you see rightly. This is the goodness of God in a moment. So when public health is shaken, we feel shaken. And when job security or our 401Ks take a dent, it shakes us, it shakes us to our core. When, liter- when we literally lose our physical connection with friends and family, with people that are loved, it shakes us. When our bodies, our own personal health is shaken, then it shakes us as a people. These are all, of course, created things. They're not, none of these things are eternal. There's one thing that's eternal. Your soul uh, in the presence of God or absent from him. Apart from him, that's the one thing that's eternal. And so there's often a shaking that God does in order to settle our hearts back on the thing that means the most. The the one thing that can allow us, his people, to never be shaken. That there might be a shaking going on across the earth, but his people won't be shaken. Jesus is literally saying, church, I won't be shaken. And my word is not shaken but my word is what does the shaking, to draw you back to me. And of course, this is not just an ethereal concept, right? Oftentimes, God lets those he loves the most to actually go through the shaking. And even as we see this thing going on worldwide, there is a beautiful invitation from the God of the universe to say there are many things you want to put your hands on to hope and put your hope in. And don't put your hope in those things because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so he even allows his people to go through a shaking. I, wanna, I want you to look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We'll start there. And uh, Jesus has went with, with people that he's actually nearest and closest to. And here's what he says. It says, on that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him. So he's with his disciples and his disciples wake him up and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? That they're feeling the peril that they're in in this moment. And Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased And there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, this is a beautiful story. And that's because Jesus wanted us to see a couple of things. One, where Jesus goes and his presence does not guarantee that there won't be chaos all around. In fact, what it shows us is that Jesus comes into the middle of chaos. Listen, if Jesus wanted to somehow prove that he was the king of the universe, he could make it so that wherever he showed up, there was no more chaos. But that's not what he did. He actually went into the chaos to allow people to feel the weight of the things that were going on around them for them to know that, you know what, I There's nothing that I can truly hold on to except for one thing, the faithfulness of the king of the universe. Jesus is in the chaos. Therefore, and I want you to hear this, the point of the storm, the point of the storm is to bolster our faith. The point of the storms in our lives and the point of chaos is to shake us, to wake us up, And to allow our hearts to be awakened to say, Lord, I want to put my faith fully and wholly in you. That's where I want my faith. I don't want it in anything else because everything else can be shaken, but you're the one that can't. And so God's point in this is to pull them out. Listen, Jesus isn't chiding them, right? He's calling them up. He's not upset with his disciples in this moment as they're, they're fearful for their lives. They are experiencing true fear and worry. And they come and they ask him and he pulls them up out and he says, hey, there's something greater I want you to put your faith in and anchor it in me. That's what I'm asking of you. I'm not gonna take all the storms away. That's not how this life is gonna happen. But I am gonna come in and be with you in the storm. And the point is to pull their souls up. And so Jesus is doing that in that moment. It's a beautiful thing, right? God thrives in chaos. God thrives in chaos. Why? Because nothing is chaotic to him. Just news flash: Nothing is chaotic to God. Therefore he thrives in it. He moves in power in it. He is Lord and King and Savior. And so, in fact, um, I, I'm, I'm a, a nerd. I, I like to Follow politics, and uh, one of my one of my favorite TV shows was a TV show called The West Wing. It was out in kind of the, the early two thousands, and the show called The West Wing is essentially just uh, a, a story following or TV show following the president and his closest advisors. And so basically, every episode is you know they're going about their political lives, trying to get to the next thing, and then something evidently or ultimately blows up. Something happens and then the whole White House is scrambling. The president is scrambling and his advisors are scrambling and they're trying to figure out how to fix the chaos that has somehow entered into their equation. And that's what we see, and it's often, you know, depending on how you even look at the, the, the media and the things that are going around is a lot of chaos going around. I want you to hear this. God is not just a president of the United States. He is, He's not a secretary of human health and services. He, he is not an executive at the World Health Organization. He is the king of the universe, and he is not shaken in any way, form, or fashion. He is not scared of this pandemic. And hear this, church, he has life for you and me. There are promises from God that we can anchor our souls in. There are promises that he has to give to us that lead us to an eternal life. God is never chasing down chaos. He's authoring new life and hope in the midst of it. He isn't scrambling like the authorities that might be He's totally solid. He's anchored. And we can put our faith and trust in him. And listen, I'm so thankful for everyone uh, in governmental places that are making decisions and trying to lead our, our, our lives into a place of safety. I thank God for all of those that have been on the front lines and medical professionals who are giving of themselves So many people seeking for the welfare of of the people uh, of the world. That's an amazing thing. But church, there is one place we can put our full faith, hope, and trust. It is in the king of the universe. He's never worried about chaos. He's in the middle of it, and he's bringing us his life and promises. And so this is, because of even these rich promises that we have from him, what it reminds us is that, listen, Everyone ultimately will have to face an end in some way, form or fashion, right? But those of us that are in Christ, even in the face, and and we'll see all throughout scripture that those of us that are in Christ, even in the face of what feels like certain doom, we don't shrink back. We don't have to shrink back because we have a faithful God. We have a king who is good and he's for us and he has promises to give to us. Hebrews 10 puts it this way, verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. No, but we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, I love this scripture and I want us to to think on the power of that. We are not of those who shrink back. We are not those who pull back, but know in confidence because of who God is. We lean in with new faith to believe for greater things that are to come. I'm actually reminded of Paul the Apostle and the personal storms that he went through, uh, just even in his own life. He actually details them in 2 Corinthians, and I wanna share these with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, uh, verse, starting in verse 24. It says, five times uh, I-, I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes Less one, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Church, hear this. Let me tell you, the coronavirus is nothing. It's nothing. If, he, if I had to pick between the, a, a, a pandemic and, and, and what Paul faced, I think I'd probably pick the pandemic, right? The point here being, listen, Paul's saying, I've been through all of those things, but here's how I feel about them. When I stare all of the hardships and if you will, the chaos that he experienced in his own life constantly as he sought to honor the Lord, as he found himself in these storms that he was in, what's his attitude towards that? Look at what he says, Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Here's what he was saying. Listen, I faced the storms. I face the uncertainty and I face the fears. And here's what I'm saying to you. I'm not afraid because I'm, my rock is in my king. The place that I put my firm foundation is in the presence of Jesus. For, t- for me to live is to have Christ and to die is gain. Church, there is a call, a beckoning from the Lord for us to recalibrate in this moment, to anchor our lives in the Son of God if you're looking for an anchor for your heart, for your mind, which can race and race for all the worst types of things, listen, the only thing that will bring peace and comfort in the storm is the beauty, the majesty, the reality and the truth of the Son of God. To be able to say, Jesus, you are my hope. Being with you is my hope treasuring you is my hope. I am anchored by your love and your love alone. Those are all beautiful, true statements, but listen, it doesn't become life-giving to us until we rise up by faith to meet the truth. And so that's the call, that we're meant to walk by faith, which means a greater pressing in when everything else is being shaken, the call is for us to press right into what he has for our lives. Listen, I'm so thankful that my joy and my hope cannot be stolen. If Jesus is my anchor, if he is my safe place and my refuge, then nothing can shake. Everything else around me can be shaken, but not him, not who he is. Listen, it's good. I, I'm, I'm thankful we can stay in our homes All right, we can be safe and we can be wise and we can be thoughtful for our culture and our nation right now, our city, not to to spread this disease around, but listen to me. I wanna say this. There is... No greater refuge than Jesus. Your house is a great place to be. It's a good, safe place to be, but there's a safer place. It is Jesus. Deep down, we have to know Jesus is our ultimate refuge. More than our home, more than the roof over our head, Jesus is our refuge. Psalm 46 puts it this way. Here's what he says. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, selah, or rest, or pause. God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. This is what the Lord wants us to anchor our hearts in. Jesus is the refuge. We're standing on the rock and trusting in him in the midst of the chaos. And so here's the question. Here's what, and we're just gonna finish by answering this and then we're gonna finish our time just worshiping together. How do we grow in trusting God as our true refuge? How do we grow in very real ways? I, I wanna just give some real, very real practical application. In fact, I've got three things that I wanna give to you. Maybe one of these, maybe one or all three, maybe one, two, or all three may land with you, but I wanna give these to you. A, a, a couple of things. How do we grow in trusting God as our true refuge? Number one, I wanna encourage you, read the word. Read the word. Let it wash over you. Let it wash over you. In this moment, especially when we're being asked to not go to the office or we're being asked to stay home, read the word, read the word with the people in your home, read the word with your children, read the word with your spouse, read the word, But, but let it come over you. Stand under the waterfall of the word and let it wash you so that our heart can be anchored in him. Listen, Netflix, it's great. Netflix will keep you entertained for a little bit. But Netflix is very much like popcorn and candy. You can have a little bit of it, but if you keep eating popcorn and candy, it's going to make you feel sick. You won't feel alive. You won't feel hopeful, okay? The word of God is the feast of kings. It is everything, it's our sustenance, it's the entree that gives us strength to survive. We've gotta be anchoring ourselves. I thank God for the different ways we might be able to find ourselves entertained. Those are great, none of those things are necessarily bad. But if you wanna find your heart alive in this moment, we've gotta let the word consume us. Listen, listen. I, I, I have a reading plan and and so the reading plan, you just, you're just you reading whatever is coming up for the day. And what I found is, listen, it might be easy to try to find scriptures that are connected to the moment, but the Word of God is alive no matter the moment. I was reading, in my reading this week, I had a passage in Matthew, and then I had a passage in Leviticus. And as I'm reading the passages... Uh, the, the one passage I was reading in Matthew is kind of some, the technicality of divorce. The, the Pharisees are trying to pin Jesus on the issue of divorce. And so uh, they're pressing in and they're trying to argue about some things. And I'm reading this and you're going, well, what does that have to do with anything in the world around me? And, I'm, and, and, and what I see is here's what Jesus is. He's a covenant keeping king. In the midst of that, what I get to read is that Jesus is pressing to say, I have a covenant with my people. And so this reading that doesn't seem to have anything to do with what's going on in the world around me is speaking to me about his covenant. And then I'll go into Leviticus. Listen, the entire book of Leviticus is one big letter to say, hey. You need to wash yourself because you're not clean, all right? So, if there's anything that's more relevant for this coronavirus time, read Leviticus because all it's saying is hey, you are not clean, all right? You touch a pig, you need to wash your hands, okay? You're not clean, okay? You touch some silk and some cotton at the same time, hey, you're not clean, you need to wash your hands. So, Leviticus, even in and of itself, is telling us right now hey, it's relevant to the moment. You are not clean, I'm not clean. We're in need of God to make us clean and some, maybe some hand sanitizer. But those are the things that help move us nearer to him when we get in the word of God. I wanna encourage you to get into the word of God, let it wash over you. I wanna encourage you to do that uh, in this, especially in this time. Uh, secondly, to repent. That word can kind of have caught all kinds of connotations, but here's what this, what this word really means. Would you allow your heart to be softened in this moment when everything, is kind of, when everything is being shaken around us? What repentance does is it helps me stop, it helps my heart be softened, and it pulls me down from places of pride, and I get to come up under the truth of God's word. What I mean by that is, listen, practically what we feel sometimes is maybe you wanna be angry with the government or you wanna be angry at the media or you wanna be angry at... Celebrities or their tone deaf things that they're saying out there. You wanna, you wanna be upset about the things that are going on. Listen, repentance, when we come before the Lord and say, hey Lord, here's what is broken in me. Here's where I have fallen short and I'm asking you to make me whole again. When we do that, it pulls down, pulls us down off that place of judgmental uh, attitudes and thoughts and it allows us hope again to rise back up and to put our faith and trust in the Lord, and to not find ourselves angered. I'm reminded of the Second the Chronicles 7 passage. It's so powerful because the, the declaration is in the midst of the shaking. It says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord, and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, this is that call to repentance, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now look at what he says in verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Here's what he's saying. When the world is being shaken, when the world is being shaken, come to the Lord and say, Lord, shake out of me. Whatever's broken, I repent. I acknowledge the places where I've fallen short, and would you bring me back to a place of trusting you? Whatever discomfort you and I might be feeling in this place, God wants to come and meet us. So let's take those moments, those places of wrestle and bring them to him, to repent of the ways that we've fallen short, of not trusting him, of putting our hope in other things, to say, God, we want to be anchored in you. And the Lord says, listen, my eyes will be open and my ears will be open to, to anyone who comes to me with repentance in that place, in the midst of the shaking. It's a beautiful thing to the Lord. God's eyes and ears are open. And then finally, we'll finish with this. Rest, rest, soak up this time at home. Listen, you might not be able to be killing it at the office. But that might just actually be a good thing, might be an okay thing. You might not be advancing up the mountain or taking ground in the way that you want to. But these moments have a way of highlighting the places where we tend to put our identity, where we tend to put our personal worth and value. If I can't do X, Y, and Z at my job or in this place, or if I can't be advancing this thing, then I don't feel like I have worth and value. And the Lord is wanting to pull that weight off of each one of us and say, son or daughter, your worth and value does not have to do with your performance in the workplace or anywhere else or at home, your worth and value comes from my word over you. So rest in it, receive that word. What it, that's what it means to rest truly. It's not just about sitting on the couch and I thank God that we really can't go to these places because we're being forced at this moment to have to deal with that thing called rest, but it's beyond just sitting down. It's beyond just being still. It's allowing the word of God to wash over us to say my worth and value are not in the things of this world, the things that can be shaken. My worth and value are in what God says about me. And I'm going to have that and I'm going to declare that and live in that. Let's let the idols that we often have of career advancement or forward momentum or even frivolous activity get put on the altar before Jesus so that we can be made to come to this place to say, God, I will not worship those things. I lay those things down. My hope and my worship is in you. That's what we want to do. Listen, I want to reiterate this. You might be in a place where your job has been really affected and you're asking some questions, even about finances. And I want to say this to you. If you're in that place around you and help you, In fact, if you you can even email us, send an email to us. If you're in a a very difficult place or you're short on resources or this time with work has been really hard for you, we want to know about it. Because our job as the church is to come alongside those to express the love and the goodness of God by saying, we're going to partner with you. Because everything that's being shaken, but God is not. And the people of God are ready to come alongside. And so if you're in that place, I want you to let us know. You can email us, info at newriverfellowship.com. Let us know. We wanna come alongside you and bless you. We wanna come alongside you and walk with you. We wanna come alongside and see the fulfillment of the goodness of God in the lives of people around us. Please let us know if you're in that place. But we wanna be a people who read the word, let it wash over us. We repent of the places we've fallen short. Certainly repentance begins with us. There's a repenting that needs to be happening in the nation. We're gonna talk a little bit about that next week. But right now is a time for us to say, God, whatever needs to be shaken in me, shake it. And let me come and acknowledge your lordship. And then we're gonna be a people that rest. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna read this over you. We're gonna finish in worship this morning. I'm gonna read Psalm 46 again. And then we're gonna just get this chance to read the word. Repent and then we're gonna worship. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, we rest because God, you are our strength. Together, Lord, we repent right now. And even just where you're at, at home, if there's any place where you've been putting your trust in something other than the rock solid king of the universe, share it with him, just in your heart. Say, God, I don't wanna go another day, I don't wanna go another step letting something that can be shaken be my idol, be my hope. I want my rock to be the king of the universe. We repent and open up our hands and we put our trust in you. And then from that place, Lord, we rest. We rest. We remember your goodness. We sit, we breathe in, and we rest in your goodness. We worship you and we honor you we bless you. We receive your life. We receive new confidence right now. Lord, I pray for every person that's with us. Receive new confidence. Receive the goodness of God and his lordship and authority in our lives. It's leading us to life. And we rest in that goodness. We bless you. And we honor you. Let's finish with this final song, declaring our trust in God.